Chapter Twenty Nine of the Roots of the Mountains by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. They bring the runaways to Bergstead. So now, being out of the wood, they went peaceably and safely along the portway. The runaways mingling with the dalesmen. Strange showed amidst the health and wealth of the dale the rags and misery and nakedness of the thralls like a dream amidst the trim gaiety of spring and whomsoever they met or came up with on the road what so his business might be could not refrain himself from following them but mingled with the men-at-arms and asked them of the tidings and when they heard who these poor people were even delivered thralls of the foemen they were glad at heart and cried out for joy and many of the women nay of the men also when they first came across that misery from out of the heart of their own pleasant life, wept for pity and love of the poor folk, now at last set free, and blessed the swords that should do the like by the whole people. They went slowly as men began to gather about them. Yea, some of the good folk that lived hard by must needs fare home to their houses to fetch cakes and wine for the guests and they made them sit down and rest on the green grass by the side of the portway, and eat and drink to cheer their hearts. Others, women and young swains, while they rested, went down into the meadows, and plucked of the spring flowers, and twined them hastily with deft and well-want fingers, into chaplets and garlands for their heads and bodies. Thus indeed they covered their nakedness, till the lowering faces and weather-beaten skins of those hardly entreated thralls looked grimly out from amidst the knots of cowslip and oxlip and the branches of the milk-white blackthorn bloom and the long trumpets of the daffodils of the hue that wrappeth round the quill which the webster takes in hand when she would pleasure her soul with the sight of the yellow growing upon the dark green web so they went on again as the evening was waning, and when they were gotten within a furlong of the gate, lo, there was come the minstrelsy, the pipe and the tabor, the fiddle and the harp, and the folk that had learned to sing the sweetest, both men and women, and reedsmen at the head of them all. Then fell the throng into an ordered company. First went the music, and then a score of face of God's warriors, with drawn swords and uplifted spears and then the flower-bedecked misery of the runaways, men and women going together, gaunt, befouled, and hollow-eyed, with here and there a flushed cheek or gleaming eye or tear-bedewed face, as the joy and triumph of the eve pierced through their wonted weariness of grief. Then the rest of the warriors, and lastly the mingled crowd of dalesfolk, tall men and fair women gaily arrayed, clean-faced, clear-skinned, and sleek-haired, with glancing eyes and ruddy lips. And now Reedsman turned about to the music, and drew his bow across his fiddle, and the other bows ran out in concert, and the harps followed the story of them, and he lifted up his voice and sang the words of an old song, and all the singers joined him and blended their voices with his, and these are some of the words which they sang. Lo, here is spring, and all we are living, we that were one with winter's fear. Reach out your hands to her hands that are giving, lest ye lose her love and the light of the year. Many a morn did we wake to sorrow, when low on the land the cloud wrath lay. Many an eve we fear to-morrow, the unbegun, unfinished day. 
Ah, we, we hope not, and thou wert tardy. Nought wert thou helping, nought we prayed. Where was the eager heart, the hardy? Where was the sweet-voiced, unafraid? But now thou lovest, now thou leadest, Where is gone the grief of our minds? What was the word of the tale that thou heedest, E'en as the breath of the bygone winds? Green and green is thy garments growing, Over thy blossoming limbs beneath. Up o'er our feet rise the blades of thy sewing, Pierced are our hearts with thine odorous breath. But where art thou wending, thou newcomer, Hurrying on to the courts of the sun? Where art thou now in the house of the summer? Told her thy days, and thy deed is done. Spring has been here for us that are living, After the days of winter's fear. Here in our hands is the wealth of her giving, The love of the earth and the light of the year. Thus came they to the gate, and lo, the bride thereby, Leaning against a buttress, Gazing with no dull eyes at the coming throng. She was now clad in her woman's attire again, to wit a light flame-coloured gown over a green kirtle, but she yet bore a gilded helm on her head, and a sword girt to her side in token of her oath to the god. She had been in Hallface's company in that last battle, and had done a man's service there, fighting very valiantly, but had not been hurt, and had come back to Bergstead when the shift of men was. Now she drew herself up and stood a little way before the gate, and looked forth on the throng, and when her eyes beheld the runaways amidst of the weaponed carls of Burgdale, her face flushed and her eyes filled with tears, as she stood, partly wondering, partly deeming what they were. She waited till Stoneface came by her, and then she took the old man by the sleeve, and drew him apart a little, and said to him, What meaneth this show, my friend? Who hath clad these folk thus strangely? And who be these three naked tall ones, so fierce-looking, but somewhat noble of aspect? For indeed those three men of the kindreds, when they had gotten into the dale, and had rested them, and drunk a cup of wine, and when they had seen the chaplets and wreaths of the spring flowers wherewith they were bedecked, and had smelt the sweet savour of them, fell to walking proudly, heeding not their nakedness, for no rag had they upon them save breech-clouts of deer-skin, they had changed weapons with the Burgdale carls, and one had gotten a great axe which he bore over his shoulder, and the shaft thereof was all done about with copper, and another had shouldered a long heavy thrusting spear, and the third, an exceeding tall man, bore a long broad-bladed war-sword. Thus they went, brown of skin beneath their flower-garlands, their long hair bleached by the sun falling about their shoulders, High they strode amongst the shuffling carls, and tripping women of the later-come thralls. But when they heard the music, and saw that they were coming to the gate in triumph, strange thoughts of old memories swelled up in their hearts, and they refrained them not from weeping, for they felt that the joy of life had come back to them. Nor must it be deemed that these were the only ones amongst the runaways, whose hearts were cheered and softened, Already were many of them coming back to life, as they felt their worn bodies caressed by the clear soft air of Burgdale, and the sweetness of the flowers that hung about them, and saw all round about the kind and happy faces of their well-willers. So Stoneface looked on the bride as she stood with face yet tear-bedewed, 
awaiting his answer, and said, Daughter, thou sayest, who clad these folks thus? It was misery that hath so dight them, and there of the images of what we shall be, if we love foul life better than fair death, and so fall into the hands of the felons, who were the masters of these men. As for the tall naked men, they are of our own blood, and kinsmen to face of God's new friends, and they are of the best of the vanquished. It was in early days that they fled from thraldom, as we may have to do. Now, daughter, I bid thee be as joyous as thou art valiant, and then shall all be well. Therewith she smiled on him, and he departed, and she stood a little while, as the throng moved on, and was swallowed by the gate, and looked after them, and, for all her pity for the other folk, she thought chiefly of those fearless tall men, who were of the blood of those with whom it was lawful to wed. There she stood as the wind dried the tears upon her cheeks, thinking of the sorrow which these folk had endured, and their stripes and mocking, their squalor and famine, and she wondered and looked on her own fair and shapely hands, with the precious finger-rings thereon, and on the dainty cloth and trim broidery of her sleeve, and she touched her smooth cheek with the back of her hand, and smiled, and felt the spring sweet in her mouth, and its savour goodly in her nostrils, and therewith she called to mind the aspect of her lovely body, as while she had seen it imaged, all its full measure, in the clear pool at midsummer, or piecemeal in the shining steel of the westland mirror. She thought also with what joy she drew the breath of life, yea, even amidst of grief, and of how sweet and pure and well-nurtured she was, and of how well-beloved of many friends and the whole folk, and she set all this beside those woeful bodies and lowering faces, and felt shame of her sorrow of heart, and the pain it had brought to her, and ever amidst shame and pity of all that misery, rose up before her the images of those tall fierce men, and it seemed to her as if she had seen something like to them in some dream or imagination of her mind. So came the Burgdalers and their guests into the street of Burgstead, amidst music and singing, and the throng was great there. Then face of God bade make a ring about the strangers, and they did so, and he and the runaways alone were in the midst of it. And he spake in a loud voice, and said, Men of the Dale and Burg, these folk whom here ye see in such a sorry plight are they whom our deadly foes have rejoiced to torment. Let us therefore rejoice to cherish them. Now let those men come forth who deem that they have enough and more, so that they may each take into their houses some two or three of these friends, such as would be fain to be together. And since I am war-leader, and have the right here too, I will first choose them whom I will lead into the house of the face. And lo you, will I have this man? And he laid his hand on Dalach, who is he whom I first came across, and who found us all these others. And next I will have yonder tall carls, the three of them, because I perceive them to be men meet to be with a war-leader, and to follow him in battle. Therewith he drew the three men of the wolf towards him, but Dalach already was standing beside him, and folk rejoiced in face of God. But the bride came forward next, and spake to him meekly and simply, War-leader, let me have of the women, those who need me most, that I may bring them to the house of the steer, and try if there be not some good days yet to be found for them, wherein they shall but remember the past grief as an ugly dream. 
Then face of God looked on her, and him seemed he had never seen her so fair, and all the shame wherewith he had beheld her of late was gone from him, and his heart ran over with friendly love towards her, as she looked into his face with kindly eyes, and he said, Kinswoman, take thy choice as thy kindness biddeth, and happy shall they be whom thou choosest. She bowed her head soberly, and chose from among the guests four women of the saddest and most grievous, and no men of their kindred spake for going along with them. Then she went her ways home, leading one of them by the hand, and strange was it to see those twain going through sun and shade together, that poor wretch along with the goodliest of women. Then came forward one after other of the worthy goodmen of the dale, and especially such as were old, and they led away one, one man, and another, two, and another, three, and often would a man crave to go with a woman, or a woman with a man, and it was not gainsaid them. So were all the guests apportioned, and ill-content were those good men that had to depart without a guest, and one man would say to another, Such an one be not downcast, this guest shall be between us, if he will, and shall dwell with thee and me month about, but this first month with me, since I was first comer, and so forth it was said. Now to prevent the time to come, it may be said about the runaways, that when they had been a little while amongst the Burgdalers, well fed and well clad, and kindly cherished, it was marvellous how they were bettered in aspect of body, and it began to be seen of them, that they were well favoured people, and diverse of the women, exceeding goodly, black-haired and grey-eyed, and very clear-skinned and white-skinned. Most of them were young, and the oldest had not seen above forty winters. They of Rosedale, and especially such as had first fled away to the wood, were very soon seen to be merry and kindly folk, but they who had been longest in captivity, and notably those from Silverdale, who were not of the kindreds, were for a long time sullen and heavy, and it availed little to trust to them for the doing of work, albeit they would follow about their friends of Burgdale with the love of a dog, also they were, diverse of them, somewhat thievish, and if they lacked anything, would liefer take it by stealth and ask for it, which forsooth the Burgdale men took not amiss, but deemed of it as a jest rather. Very few of the runaways had any will to fare back to their old homes, or indeed could be got to go into the wood, or, after a day or two, to say any word of Rosedale or Silverdale. In this and other matters, the Burgdalers dealt with them as with children who must have their way, for they deemed that their guests had much time to make up. Also, they were well content when they saw how goodly they were, for these Dalesmen loved to see men goodly of body and of a cheerful countenance. As for Dalak and the three Silverdale men of the kindred, they went gladly, whereas the Burgdale man would have them, and half a score others took weapons in their hands when the war was foughten, concerning which more hereafter. But on the even whereof the tale now tells, Face of God and Stoneface and their company, met after nightfall in the hall of the face, clad in glorious raiment, and therewith were Dalek and the men of Silverdale, washen and docked of their long hair, after the fashion of warriors who bear the helm, and they were clad in gay attire, with battle-swords girt to their sides, and gold rings on their arms. Somewhat stern and sad-eyed were those silver dalers yet, 
though they looked on those about them kindly and courteously when they met their eyes and face of god yearned towards them when he called to mind the beauty and wisdom and loving-kindness of the sunbeam they were as aforesaid strong men and tall and one of them taller than any amidst that house of tall men their names were wolfstone tallest and godswain and spearfist and godswain the youngest was of thirty winters and wolfstone of forty they came into the hall in such wise that when they were washed and attired and all men were assembled in the hall and the alderman and the chieftain sitting on the dais face of god brought them in from the outbower holding dalach by the right hand and wolfstone by the left and he looked but a stripling beside that huge man and when the men in the hall beheld such goodly warriors and remembered their grief late past they all stood up and shouted for joy of them but face of god passed up the hall with them and stood before the dais and said o alderman of the dale and chief of the house of the face here i bring to you the foes of our foemen whom i have met in the wildwood and bidden to our house and meseemeth they will be our friends and stand beside us in the day of battle therefore i say take these guests and me together or put us all to the door together and if thou wilt take them then show them to such places as thou deemest meet then stood up the alderman and said men of silverdale and rosedale i bid you welcome be ye our friends and abide here with us as long as seemeth good to you and share in all that is ours son face of god show these warriors to seats on the dais beside thee and cherish them as well as thou knowest how then face of god brought them up onto the dais and sat down on the right hand of his father with dalek on his right hand and then wolfstone out from him then sat stoneface that there might be a man of the dale to talk with them and serve them and on his right hand first spearfist then godswain and when they were all sat down and the meat was on the board ironface turned to his son face of god and took his hand and said in a loud voice so that many might hear him son face of god son goldmane thou bearest with thee both ill luck and good erewhile when thou wanderest out into the wildwood seeking thou knewest not what from out of the land of dreams thou didst but bring her back to us grief and shame but now that thou hast gone forth with the neighbours seeking thy foreman thou hast come back to us with thine hands full of honour and joy for us and we thank thee for thy gifts and i call thee a lucky man herewith kinsman i drink to thee and the lasting of thy luck therewith he stood up and drank the health of the war-leader and the guests and all men were exceeding joyous thereat when they called to mind his wrath at the gate thing and they shouted for gladness as they drank that health and the feast became exceeding merry in the house of the face and as to the war to come it seemed to them as if it were over and done in all triumph End of chapter 29